Welcome back everybody. Welcome back to Under the Spotlight. I hope you're doing well. Uh, gee, it's been a minute, hadn't it? I haven't actually done anything with Under the Spotlight for maybe fuck, uh, a year or something. Um, things have been pretty, pretty bad with uh, coronavirus. I remember, I think just before coronavirus got going, I was planning to do um, a quote-unquote second season of Under the Spotlight, and um, things were just, things were really, uh, really not working out. So I took a big break from this, and yeah, stepped back and done quite a lot of other things. <clears throat> In the meantime, I, I uh, started learning how to be a web developer. Uh, God, yeah, that took up pretty much all of my time. Um, and uh, yeah, now I'm, a, now I'm a web developer, so there's that. <laughs> but um, the topic today is the wonderful, amazing, talented, well-read, articulate, extremely well-dressed musketeer, uh, Joe Pogson, Joseph Pogson from Australia, good old Jowie Jowie the Mask, I uh, have one of his t-shirts, if, you, uh, if you're interested you should definitely look him up for that, and uh, yeah, Joey, God, what can I say about the fella, I love him to bits, um, I'm really, really glad we got this this episode done. And I could have some time to speak to him. We've been planning this one for a while. Uh, the guy is busy. And when he's not busy, he's not in the country. So, <laughs> or he's not in Hamburg, rather. But, um, yeah, I am so grateful for this episode um, to bring this one to you guys. Because I had, I had such a blast recording this. And uh, I just really, uh, really enjoyed my time with uh, with Joe, and that probably comes across. Um, his songs are fucking awesome. Uh, I think my favorite one is Prince of Denmark, which you'll hear. There's four songs. You'll hear um, Prince of Denmark, North Sea, uh, Wolves, and Kraken. They're from his EP, The North Sea, which is available everywhere. You can check it out, Musketeer Music. Uh, if you look him up, you'll find him. Love this guy. So I hope you enjoy this this one. And yeah, here it is. Well, that's getting uh, dark. <laughs> We're going dark already. No, no, no. <laughs> apart from apart from COVID. It's just like it's just like. Uh, Joe's face just like <laughs> crumbles. Yeah, you're not one um, for radio interviews. <laughs> you're not familiar. People don't see the face. Yeah, maybe maybe I can just like uh, uh, like describe exactly for the for the blind or no for the no because it's because uh, it's, it's radio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see our faces. Yeah, so yeah. I was thinking that we're actually you naked. should. <laughs> we're in a sauna just I now. Wish we were. Wish we were. No. Um, <laughs> no, I saw you the other day. You were doing your your uh, busking in uh, outside Elflemony with Eddie, and um, yeah, um, that was on. that was what happened that day. You were busking. 
You were, did that day end up good? Did or you get bad? hit by a car? No. <laughs> did you lose your memory? Or? No. I think. Where are you? I think Ed had a bad day that day. And it was pretty windy. I, Ed. I had a. Was that the really windy day? That was windy. Yeah, I was. Okay. I was. I'm Scottish, and I was cold. <laughs> I was okay. like, it's it's pushing it now. Yeah, I think the weekend was windy, so it was a little bit. Blah. I think you channeled it with Leonard Cohen when you started the Leonard Cohen. The wind was like, okay, <laughs> time to turn him off. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, people seem to like it. Did I tell you I was oh. there was this old lady listening to you, and I stood beside yeah, her. Yeah, and you were sing- you told me I that you were singing, singing with her. Singing with her. <laughs> Yeah, and then she was like, are you two touring together? And I was like, no, we both live here. And then yeah. dreams were torn apart. Actually, about that, how did you get to Germany? I don't think okay. I ever... Okay, this is the official start okay, of the interview now. <laughs> okay, we're all... Long story. <laughs> um, how did I come to Germany? Um, well, the first time I came here was in 2014. And I went to London... To make my my name big, to make myself huge. How's that going? I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna become huge, Hugh. Oh huge. yeah. Okay. Um, and that failed after two months, and I decided to quit the coffee job that I was doing there, and I quit took, the stereotype. I quit the <laughs> quit the stereotype Aussie in London, and um. Was it a vegan coffee place? What was it? Nah, 2014. There were no vegans back then. <laughs> no popular. Um, what was why? Why two months? Why why didn't you stay? Was it just no me? no okay after two months I was because I got there and I didn't really have much money and I was working like six days a week and then I decided that I wasn't actually playing music or wasn't actually focusing on what I wanted to do which was to play music. Hmm. So I uh, I quit my job, took my guitar, and uh, started playing on the streets of London. And then I ended up booking a bus to Paris, uh, an overnight Parisian bus. And uh, went to Paris for a couple of days, and basically I was on my way to a friend in Berlin. And I ended Called up... Called him from Paris and said, I'm... <laughs> Where's Berlin from here? Or? Well, I was in London and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come visit you in Berlin, see what's up. So I ended up <clears throat> going to Paris and then Saarbrücken was my first German port of call because I have um, some friends there. And uh, then then I went to, took the bus to Berlin and then I entered Berlin. And for anybody who's been there the first time, it's... Uh, it's a whole new world, so I entered this whole new world. Well, maybe for some people it's not a whole new world, but like for me it was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And uh, I only remember there was allotments and tunnels when I was... In Berlin. The one time I went there, well, we went around the outside. We went to um, Vanzi, which is that horrific song sung by that six-year-old child who's probably old now but haunted by the song. You know, it was like, pack the Adahosa and na 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 No, I don't know it. It was horrific. And when we were driving in, it was just concrete and allotments. And the guy that was with us was saying, I fucking hate allotments. They're just taking up so much space. Look at this place. And I was like, are we in Berlin? I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, and then I saw, a, I saw a big poster of a builder, uh, like an 80s minor builder guy. And I thought, this must be Berlin now. Looked like a sort of paper, paper cardboard town. Well, there's definitely that side of... Berlin, 
which uh, so the first time I went there, I blocked that out. <laughs> I was like, this is a beautiful city. <laughs> Did you see it from inside a van or where were you? No, I took a bus to, I don't know, that godforsaken bus stop in the, in the west of Berlin. Um, and then took a train. Where did I end up staying the first time? Oh, yeah, I stayed with my friend in Vedding for three weeks. And I ended up, I don't know, meeting musicians, going to open mics, busking on the street, getting really drunk. Was that the goal or was it just to socialize? Were you always carrying a case with you? Yeah, I, I, had, I, had, I had tried busking um, in Paris and then I did try busking in Zabrucken and then I was trying to busk in Berlin. Uh, every time with not much success at all. So by the end of the trip, uh, I had to fly back to the UK to start making money again. So that was the sad uh, end of that cycle. But was there, was there anything in that that you took away as a success? Like I would think. Yeah, of course. I, I played in Berlin. Though. Well, yeah, of course. Like I, I went to Berlin, and and I think the best thing about it was just meeting people there who. Now, today, I'm still friends with and I ended up wanting to go back because of those people and, and what they were doing. And so I, well, I ended up going back to Australia and then coming back the year after and, and doing a better tour than what I did before. And I had an amplifier for busking. So I was just sort of building of, from what I'd, what I'd uh, done the first time round. And you're... Um... Your style as well, uh, visually and creatively, is very honed, sounds like now. Like when I see you busking, you've got a beautiful finger picking and your voice. And it's almost like you have a, you, everybody has a sound, but not everyone hears their own sound. Like people say, I have a sound and I don't know what my sound mm. is. But you have like a, a lovely way of um, extending your, your sound, uh, how can I put it? Um, you're very poetic and very uh, kind of dreamy, I'd say. You've got a dreamy style, and 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 you paint with pictures and stuff like this. But where did this has been a fucking enigma of mine for you? But where the yeah. fuck did the whole Musketeer, seventeen oh nine, the Three Musketeers? <laughs> where did this all come from, and uh, why? And it's and you've given such commitment to the the clothing style even when you're not singing <laughs> you just wear victorian clothes all the time i mean for people who have well, never I, seen musketeer this guy is always well dressed well well th these days i i just opt for the classic nick cave coat suit pants but uh uh and a t-shirt or something or a nice shirt but uh yeah i used to dress more victorian than than i do these days um, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question, Hugh, and it's a, an old and long one. Um, we got time. Yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, what uh, was it? W was it some kind of, uh, uh, <clears throat> sense of identity that you found suited, suited you or was it? It was about the first, very first songs that I was writing about. And these, which nobody has ever heard, just they were crap songs, but that's fine. And I don't even know if I still have them on hard drive or record, but I was writing these old history songs about old soldiers with muskets lining up to fight. 
some really lame thing like that and uh, basically I had a couple of songs and they were like the first kind of songs that I written and well, I wanted to go to an open mic night and this was in Melbourne I think at the time way back in 2012 and uh, I just needed to pick a name for myself because I didn't want to use my real name why? Um, why? Uh, well it's just I don't know it does, I, I didn't feel comfortable with it. I still don't feel comfortable using my own name as, a, as on the stage, as it were. I mean, yeah. I'm, fine with my, I'm fine with my name. It's just who I'm called. But... Fuckers can't pronounce my name here, so I have to <laughs> yeah, yeah, say yeah. it's Burgess. Yeah, yeah. What do they say? What do they say? Burgess. 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 Yeah. Uh, huge. <laughs> huge. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Hook. Oh, fucking hell. I'm like, <laughs> call me John. <laughs> Yeah. What were the contender names then? What were the... Did you have any other? My friend that... and I wrote up a list. I don't have it. It was on, oh, pi- on a piece of paper. Yeah. If I, have wish you I, I wish I wish I would have kept that piece of paper, but I didn't. It was just like a nothing thing. We just wrote it down. Maybe I wrote it in my old, old phone, which I don't have anymore. Uh, but it would have been super interesting to actually see what the other contenders were. Anyway, I just ended up picking that and then... And I thought, okay, well, if I don't like it, I can just change it later. And then it kind of turned into this weird sort of traveling, swashbuckling thing. And and these days, well, then now with the band, it sort of became a came its own sort of. Uh, what would you say? What would you? Identity. Well, it's more of the the there was that sort of group. Thing, like with the musketeer ideal where it's like all for one one for all and I wasn't even thinking about the three musketeers Alexander Dumay is that how you pronounce his name I thought it was dumbass but it's <laughs> Dumas uh, I wasn't I wasn't really even thinking about that and then a lot of people uh, kind of put that projection on there already because that's what they had grown up with mm. which I thought was kind of cool as well because I was trying to create these songs which uh, were not necessarily my own personal sad love songs or my own personal sort of uh, broken hearts. This is what's happening to Joe Joseph. It was more about creating a narrative and a story, and, a, and all of that sort of just fit in with the name anyway. And then when I was gallivanting across Europe, it kind of, kind of also, uh, also sort of added into the identity of that but yeah and now it's its own worm it's its own little creature thing which i which confuses me sometimes and sometimes i don't identify with it and sometimes i really do and it feels like a commit like you've uh well and i've also you... stuck with it for ages i'm just yeah, like well it's become <laughs> and like i haven't thought a of a better name of that's what i haven't thought of a better name <laughs> Okay, so yeah. <laughs> you, would you change it if you were if you came up with a better name? No, I'd keep the project, um, and then I probably I I've been thinking about other project ideas and other things, but um, nothing concrete yet. How often do you play as a band more than a solo act? I play more as a solo act. I mean, yeah, before Corona, it was. Was uh, that in May two thousand nineteen? <laughs> I did. Uh, did 
two uh, two solo tours that year, which were like I don't know, ten dates each, one in the spring and one in the autumn, and then we played. I played I don't know maybe five, six, seven shows just with the band throughout the whole year. So it was kind of that vibe. Maybe even less shows, I'm not sure. I know we had three dates at the start of 2019 and then one at Birdland here in Hamburg and then some, I, I can't remember, I would have to bring it up, but definitely, and then when I'm busking, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, well, I play solo more. So it's interesting that you say that because uh, a lot of people see me busking and then when I put on a band show, they're really confused. <laughs> so I, I think it's it comes so... across like it's an extension of your music and it's an extension of yourself because when I see you playing in a band, you're kind of expanding like outwards further than just, you know, it's like a painter describing a painting and then I see the painting when you're in a band. Like when you do your solo thing, it's all coming from you, but then your band is like a, um, it complements your, your story and your, your music. It, it's not, it's not a conflict to me. It seems like yeah. a sort of, um, like a embellishment in a positive way of your work. Like it grows outwards. Definitely. Hmm. But tell us about your first song that you want, um, you want everyone to hear North Sea. Ah, yes. So this is from a just-released EP, Hugh. Hey. Just-released. Oh, yeah. <laughs> New and fresh. Fresh out of the oven. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So EP. What's, what's North it's Sea called about? The North Sea. Oh, right. Okay. And the first track is also called The North Sea. There is another track before, but uh, whatever. <laughs> There's like six tracks on the EP. And uh, first one is called the North Sea, and I've said that three times now. It's okay, I can cut this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do it again? <laughs> so tell me about. <laughs> tell me this about. Is great. This is great. Tell me about your first track, the North Sea. Um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh. Um, okay. Did you listen to it, Hugh? Uh, I have heard it several uh, several times. Maybe I'm not supposed to have heard it because this is a new EP. And no, 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 no. It's, or it's this... out. It's released. And I've had that song out with the band and the live version for two years now. Ah, so, this, so it's been it's around. It's now like official in an EP. Yeah. Okay. Can, um, you, can you give us a small breakdown? Of the EP or the song? 50 words, <laughs> the song. <laughs> we'll talk about the EP in a moment. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay, Joe, tell me about uh, the first track. This is going great. This is the best. This is my favourite interview uh, in the world. This is fucking good. I'm not cutting any of this. <laughs> tell me. Uh, okay, what is the first song about? Uh, the first song, okay. Okay, so basically, the story goes, this guy is out hunting mythical creatures. And he pulls a mythical creature. Um, in this instance, I was thinking mermaid from the deep sea. And basically, on this ship, it's like a fishing trawler, uh, they put the mermaids on hooks and, you know, that's their job, to catch the fish. And it's, and that is uh, basically the metaphor 
for the North Sea. And the rest of the tracks in the EP kind of follow the consequences of what happens. But at the same time, they're also standalone tracks and they have their own story in it. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can, if you listen to it all in one go, there's kind of a journey, but you can also listen to each track separately and they all make, they all should make sense mm. individually. Individual. And I hope they do. Listeners, let me know if they do not. <laughs> Please feel free to send flack. Um, uh, but the North Sea song itself is really about that moment where he's on this uh, fishing trawler, or he, she, this person is on this... I kind of base the characters after myself a little bit. Put a bit of that into, into the song. And basically, the character is on this fishing trawler and... Yeah, they're catching these mermaids, and uh, he feels the 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 character feels uh, lots of guilt about that, and that's this, that's what the first song was about.
song can speak for itself yeah exactly that would be a great place to to be no but let, i wanted to ask you about um what you were doing before musketeer because this might help me and others understand how you reached musketeer mm. what was it what was what was life like for joey the musk pre pre musk pre musky um well from which point <laughs> Well, just, okay, so basically just before I started playing live, uh, I started going to open mic nights and playing for myself. I was sort of coming out of uh, church a little bit, so I played a lot of stuff um, there, and that's how I sort of found yep. my love of singing, okay. I guess. Yeah. Every Sunday, my family and I would go to church and we'd sing church songs and the lyrics were a bit questionable but uh the the, the i love to sing mm -hmm. um and just before yeah so just before i started doing the the open mic nights i actually had just finished university uh, i did a communications media degree and i decided oh, it was journalism basically and i decided that i didn't want to do that and I just wanted to write creatively um, because I'd always kind of had it in my mind since high school that I wanted to be writing. Actually, I think in year year 11 or something, I wrote like a 90,000 page book <laughs> just at, at home. Uh, and Is I, that called the manifesto? No, no, the no. The terrorist manifesto? No, no, no. Some lame in your story. Pants? 
Okay. And uh, what what were the themes? The, it was basically a story about uh, Australia being invaded by outside forces. From space or from sea? No, from the sea. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and the air. Um, no, it wasn't aliens. Um, and I wrote this whole story and it was really bad. Uh, but I wanted to always write and write and that's why I decided to study journalism. But I didn't realise until much later that I actually just wanted to do creative writing. And at the same time I was well in church, I was playing music and I always loved music. And uh, and I guess once I sort of exited, exited the sort of church scene and uh, and sort of um, uh, and sort of exited university, sort of like those those two things of wanting to write and playing music sort of came together. But I'd been at the time I'd been listening to I think that. The Coldplay album, Viva La Vida, it was, I really, that was probably, uh, probably really uncool to say it now, but like that, that one, that album was all about these like Vic, Victorian themes or, yeah. and, and Chris Martin was writing <clears throat> sort of almost beyond his own, own feelings and trying to, uh, the idea of a concept album. And that really appealed to me. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. And and then I kind of, at the same time, I was also listening to lots of Mumford and Sons, uh, who had this sort of, almost had a Victorian era, era mm. thing to them as well. And that Nick sort of, Cage, you said? Nick Cage? No, that came yeah. later. So that vibe came later. So if you listen to my first EP, you can sort of more hear the Mumford-esque vibe. Okay. And... Uh, so yeah, and I don't know, I don't know what I was reading at the time. Um, there seems to be, uh, just now, sort of seeing this, that doing the um, almost biblical songs, they always carry like a, a message or a story or an existential experience or uh, an experience outside of your own experience mm -hmm. of another time. And that really feels like it's carried over into your writing because your songs are always about experiences or um, kind of um, romanticisms is probably not the right word, but um, uh, narratives that you would read uh, around a campfire or something like a, like a almost, uh, what's the name of that writer? Um, the one that does the space stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You've never Lovecraft. Heard of Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. Lovecraftian writing, which is kind of this... Um, he always writes about things which are beyond the imagination. It's like your stories always kind of carry a, a narrative, to me anyway, of you're kind of channeling a message from another era or another time or another place. And they always evoke a, like a feeling of, is this a true story? Or like, this guy seems really well read, you know. Your and the way that you, the way you then phrase in your songwriting as well, which is probably testament to your writing, your craft, your skill. <laughs> but um, it's always, always consistent. There's always a consistency with your writing. I've tried every fucking thing. I've tried rap. <laughs> 
<laughs> can't believe I'm saying this. I've tried that. I've tried. Please put, please put a little it. bit of a rap in I've this. Tried, uh... Uh, I've tried. I've tried every genre uh, just to see where I fit, which has made me feel more anonymous and more lost in the grey. Yeah, but it's good to like try other things to find out where you, I fit. Yeah. That, and that's, that's the only way you can do it, is to try other things. That's probably what I'm saying, is I'm just astonished that you found something you, you fit in so well, so quickly, and so thoroughly as well. Something which really kind of... It's the consistency in your writing and your style that I think I'm trying to, trying to find is, is something that you've, uh, you've kept going the whole time. Mm. And that's also shown through... How you present yourself like Heiko's the only other person I've seen who's been so consistent about his message even when he's not singing it's like you look at the guy and you go well he must be a singer like a musician or <laughs> he something. must be chasing tails he must be chasing those tails <laughs> yeah. um sorry Heiko <laughs> because you you can just see like it's that always reminds me of that um that thing from have you seen the prestige the movie yeah when it's he said yeah. it's like the old guy making the fishbowl appear and he's like, they're all going, oh my God, he's so old. How did he make the fishbowl appear out of his jacket or something? And then the guy's like, it's, it's an act. He's, he's pretending to be old so he can hide it under his legs. And he's pretending to walk like that. It's like a commitment to the, to the art outside of the act that you guys have going. You've got this commitment. Oh, outside of the thing. Like outside of your songwriting and your music, you are, you are literally a musketeer. Like you dress like a musketeer when, when you're not. That's probably summarizing you way too thin but your your uh life choices your your um your thinking like you're very methodical and you're very sort of uh you just come you just you come across as someone who has sort of appeared out of a book and is like <laughs> i also sing songs like i feel like when i listen to your music i'm i'm learning of another experience outside of my personal experience like uh, these are stories which have been passed down you know it's like uh like storytelling from someone who says oh this is a, a story of a story of a story that someone passed down through generations and it's still as fresh as it was on yeah. the first day that's how it always feels with you man like oh, your thanks. songs are always yeah really thorough thanks and, bro yeah right which yeah. i think leads me pretty pretty neatly into your second song uh prince of denmark mm. is that about Hamlet? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm on the right track. Did I so. tell you that? Or? I think so. Yeah. Okay. But who else would it be if it was Prince of Denmark? Uh, not the current one. Oh, <laughs> like well, this one's about Boris uh, Chonchaninov of the uh, Prince... Uh... <laughs> no, the Prince of Denmark, the real Prince of Denmark is Prince Crown Prince... Oh, no. He's married to the Australian... See, you would know this. <laughs> He's married to Mary. Is Mary her name? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you some trivia about Hamlet, if you want to know. Go for it. Hamlet was actually Amleth. That was his name. And Shakespeare took the H and he put it to the beginning, called him Hamlet. And the story was about a father whose son had been killed. And he made it about a son whose father was killed. Yeah. And uh, I think in the end of the true story, there's a sort of everybody's friends in the end, but he makes it. So that everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nah, I kill them all, and writes that in. But yeah, so that that also ties into your themes, the 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 kind of dramatic um, style. Yeah, I guess that's in. a pretty core cool tenet of the Musketeer songs. I mean, 
Yeah, as you were saying before, I used to look like I was more out of a book than I maybe do now. I, and I'm trying to trying to separate Musketeer a little bit from me myself, Joe. Uh, just so I can, just just so I can grow and see what happens and really sort of explore other parts of myself. And uh, but uh, what was my point? Back to Hamlet. Um, yeah, like the, really the ideas behind the songs are sort of, sort of, uh, mixing, uh, history, uh, I guess mi mixing a sort of fantasy with, uh, with real life. And I feel like my, the, the songs that I'm most proud of are the ones where I put myself in them as well as adding some element of something that I've read or experienced or, or which sort of, I guess, makes it a bit more transcendent. So if somebody listens to it, they're, uh, they're I don't know, taken away in this imaginary journey. Mm. Um, but also, like, it's important in the songs that you, there has to be feeling. So, and the only way that there can be feeling into the song is if I'm singing, the, singing it and it actually... And I feel it myself, so it has to be a blend. And it's tricky to get; it's tricky to make. But yeah, the the Prince of Denmark is based on Hamlet. I was in Copenhagen one year, coming back from Sweden. I think like a really sort of strange tour where like my, some of my shows were cancelled there, um, and it was snowing, and it was like maybe November, and and it was really beautiful, and it was. A nice trip but I think by the end of it I was just strangely exhausted and I uh, got to Copenhagen and um, well I, I actually met my brother there uh, he came from Australia and we were just sort of having a little holiday in Copenhagen but then I came across uh, a, a fellow busker in the middle of the square there and it was zero degrees and he was busking and he he handed me the, he, he handed me the guitar. It's like Joe, like you have a you have a busk, and so naturally, as uh, as I do, as I busk a lot, I played like four songs or whatever. But my it was probably one of the coldest busks I can remember, and I was trying to play my songs, and there's nobody would stop, and I was just having the worst time. Playing and I was just like, no, nah, I give up. I'm getting a hot dog <laughs> from the hot dog stand. And I kind of, if you look into the song lyrics a bit more, you can kind of see that experience. Okay, so it's there. based on a personal experience of yours. Yeah, well, a little bit of that. And then I've added sort of other elements of the Hamlet story itself. And I s took lines specifically from the play and kind of I don't know I also did this I guess it's when I sing it's really cathartic is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. because it's all about that that story about Hamlet how it's, it's like heavy mental health issues like what is real and what is not and, uh, and it's really always really nice to sing that because it's like any whatever I'm feeling at the time like whatever darkness is in me I can just scream it out mm -hmm. uh, with that particular song so 
Yeah, I'm really happy with that song, actually.
What's your approach to songwriting? Mine, the, the closest I can say as an example for me is when I write a song, like you said earlier, and I resonate with that, I, put, I found I write better when I'm more honest with myself. If I write closer to first person, if I say, oh, this is about uh, Jimmy, Jimmy McJim, and, you know, when I make up a scenario for the guy, I can get only so much out of it. But if I'm more honest and closer to writing about who I am, I often resonate more with the lyrics. And then also the songs become like rooms that are always crystal clear when I go there. I can always, every time I hear a song, like a... A shameless plug. I did a, a gig the other day. This asshole. Uh, yeah, and I was listening. We were watching it, and I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable watching myself. I, I just don't like it. But the song I, that I was singing, I can always remember exactly where I was when when I first sung it, or what I was feeling, or even the weather, like the time of day, where I was sitting in the room, who was there, what I felt. Those memories are so clear every fucking time. Or if it's like an if it's a song that isn't about me, I can always imagine the pictures clearly, the same beach, the same costume, the characters wearing the same imagery every single time for me. That's, it, it's like one of these really profound effects from that I've got from songwriting, which I really like as well. But what's your, what's your approach uh, to, to writing a song? To writing a song? Um... a good question uh i guess most of the time i'm just sitting there with my guitar wherever i am and just plucking away at some riff or something or if i have the synthesizer sometimes i'm there with my headphones on creating weird sounds and seeing what happens but to get to uh, <laughs> to get to a to b as it were to get to an actual finished product Kind of okay. The song I'm working on at the moment. Let's just use the example that is a. Um, well, I came up with. I already had the theme in mind because uh, it's sort of a bunch of these sort of Spanish themes. I don't know if you could really call it Spanish theme, but it came out of a trip. I wrote a couple of songs that came out of a trip from Spain. So I guess the song idea and the themes came from the feelings there at that time. So I guess is that environmental or I guess I guess I guess yeah. A lot of my songs start environmentally like that. Like I've, I've been somewhere or I, or I'm reading something. But usually, if I've been somewhere and then I sort of get my head wrapped in that time and that place and, and then I read about the place that I was in and sort of I don't know ideas just sort of are formulating in my head and I've either written a lyric down in my notepad or written some poem in my phone like just free verse thing and themes have sort of just came up like I, I you can't you can't really pinpoint exactly I can't really pinpoint exactly where some of these words and things come from but it's more of like a well when I come and sit down to actually do the work of playing it it's like yeah sitting there playing the guitar 
maybe some words come over it, but what often makes, what makes it a musketeer song? Because any any musician sits down and writes the song and puts the thing. Into yeah, it. I think uh, musketeer songs for me it's kind of more of a feeling, but it's based a lot of it's based in there's usually it's there's elements of. Um, other things in there, whether it be uh, some sort of historical story that I read about, or whether it's um, some building I went to and looked up what the the story of the building was about, um, mm. or uh, or I'm going down weird. Like in the North Sea, it's all, there's a lot of Nordic themes in there and a lot of uh, stuff I, I was researching about, like old Nordic myths. Like, yeah, you have the stuff about Thor and Odin and all those sort of things, but then then if you look a bit deeper, it's, it's sometimes, and like figure out where those myths and things come from, it's kind of, you can go down a whole pathway of like, oh, these are cool ideas and themes. And then like bringing it all together into a song i guess like for me i'm trying i'm thinking in broader if i come up with a broader idea theme story well for instance it's haunted <laughs> the door is haunted <laughs> uh like the north sea it was like I, I guess i was here in hamburg and uh and i don't know sitting there on a dark winter trying to write a few songs about something like I traveled around in the north of Europe and I've been living in Hamburg and so I start to read about the stuff and the things about where the about stuff about the place where I'm where I am in mm -hmm. and then it becomes a thing I'm like okay that seems like a concrete theme and uh, yeah I think to make it a musketeer song usually if I'm re adding elements outside of well, me going down to the coffee shop and writing a song about going down to the coffee shop. I mean, I could still do that, but like, if there's elements of sort of... Yeah, I feel like you're always going to spin it into uh, some sort of... Say you take something like going to the coffee shop, you'll have like, and then I saw a woman spinning silk in the window and she was bathing beside a bath. In the bath, there was a French... Well, there is a romantic there is a romantic element to it, but and which I think is important for a musky song, I guess. There is that, and I can't. It's hard for me to descri describe it. Like, couldn't I? Don't think we could say. I, I could try and run around in circles all yeah. day what it is, but it's just in, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a musky song, or I write something, and it's like, no, that's going into to the bag of something else someday. So. I definitely feel your um, inspiration rub off on others. Uh, like when, really? Yeah, when you when when you hear someone else singing, or you can hear. I I think I hear influences from other people's work in other people's songs. Hmm. Like if you know you take a close friend who's written a song and then you listen to it and you're like, oh, it sounds like something I would write. Well, they've probably admired your work enough to be like, ah, oh, wow, I want to sort of lean into that. 
yeah, I think you're being very humble about this. You're, you're really playing yourself down that you're not successful. You said, oh, and I was touring in Sweden and then I was playing in Paris. Oh, I was in Berlin that one time, but I failed. So I went back to London and, you know, played the soul at Hammersmith. And then I started, <laughs> definitely didn't do that. Didn't, didn't work out. But what's been your, your biggest achievement uh, professionally, musically, personally? Just something that you're really proud of and maybe something that, uh, how it ties into your music. Well, the most notable one with an act that has any notability is probably the Half Moon Run show that I played. In It was actually in Newcastle in Australia. And the promoter called me up. And it was just like a couple of days before this particular gig. I was like, Joe, we need a support. Can you do it? And I'm like, yep. And then I ended up playing, opening at that show. And it was like a pin drop. And I was like, mm. this was one of the first times that I played in front of people. And it was just like completely silent the beautiful silence. And, I, and I played my songs and I played my songs well and I was yeah. just like oh fuck yeah I know what I'm doing I'm, I'm alright yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I ended up drinking all Half Moon Run's green room alcohol and uh, having, a great, having a great old time <laughs> and then then because uh, after like there was like, two other support acts and like there was Half Moon Run so it, it wasn't just me and Half Moon Run and uh, anyway, it was funny because after the show, um, after the show, these Wait, two girls. I, I know that band. Yeah, I've heard of them. Half Room, Half Moon Run. Yeah, they're great. It was you or Byron introduced me to them, but yeah, from quite Canada. a big deal, unless he. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you the rest of the story. Yeah, it was a great, a great show, and like, afterwards, some somebody thought I was one of the. the persons in the band and got a photo with me and I'm like all right <laughs> uh and yep then got really drunk and then but then after the show I was like okay um I need to get paid <laughs> so I went to the the promoter and the or the person at the bar and I'm like oh no you have to talk to the band and then I went to the band manager and the band manager was like oh no you have to talk to the, the bar and I'm just like Fuck those fuckers. Did you have to say I'm a musician? <laughs> no, I just one. I was just like, all right, well I guess I can put that show on my bio, and uh, I drank all their drinks, and it was actually a really fun night. So exposure. <laughs> or, or someone who looked like him did. <laughs> um, no. Talking of a pin dropping, that's my favorite place to be in the world when I'm singing is. You become kind of self-aware in a moment. You're singing and you're in the moment and then you become self-aware of the moment. You're aware of your surroundings just for a second and you can't hear anything. Can you describe that a bit more and what that feels like? That feeling of complete... It's not, it's not a silence of a worrying silence. It's attention. In a, in, and I don't mean like, give me attention. It's everybody is listening to you and... and actively listening and in um, taking in your story, living your story, seeing your story. What does that feel like? Well, it feels great. <laughs> <laughs> feels good, you. So you tell, know that. Tell me You've about been your, there. <laughs> Tell me about your um, your next song, uh, Wolves. Wolves. That's already got a, a, a sort of a setup there. 
You know, um, this song's called Wolves. It feels like, here comes another musky hit. It's like, uh, it's one about the dogs. Because <laughs> I see, I'm kind of already tying in the musketeer imagery. So I'm seeing wolves like running through a forest at night. And then you're going to be like, uh, the wolves are running in the forest. But I'm not musketeer. So what's, <laughs> tell us a little bit about it. Uh, this one's kind of cool because, well, I think after, I mean, maybe I went to Denmark again, I don't know. It's another Danish inspired story, but I look, I was, I don't know why I was looking at this particular thing, but I came across this article which, uh, had said that a pack of wolves had returned to Denmark for the first time in 200 years. And, um, well, there's a big uproar because the farmers were like, well, they're going to eat all our animals. Um, we want to shoot them. This car drives up and shoots this, the wolf out the window. And I was just like, thinking about this sort of human versus nature thing. And yeah, I guess I just wrote a song about it.
Fishing and sort of humans destroying the humans destroying the oceans, and uh, and so I play a lot with those themes, but use myth, uh, a lot of it's like metaphorical, and that's which is why I add all those fantasy myth elements of like the old Nordic stuff and poems from English poets, uh, which talk about the the ocean as well. And you have those classic stories like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. There's all that mystery about that humans have been talking about it for ages. But then on the other hand, like in, in reality, it's just like <laughs> humans are just fucking up the, the sea. And then I guess in the, in, the, in, the, um, in a new album that I'm writing, or I have written, I'm talking a lot about sort of the earth and farming and and uh, I go back into like Greek myths um, and Roman myths and Germanic sort of myths as well and it's all about like earth and growth I think I talk about nature a lot I guess is this the overall message of Musketeer that uh... you're sort of um, spreading the word of Human, human and nature's relationship, or uh, the impact of human uh, effects on nature through the. There, through I the guess there's a, I guess there's a strong theme of that going through a lot of my songs, but it's not necessarily. I don't know if it's necessarily everything that I talk about. I just kind of write about things that I'm interested experience. in. Yeah. yeah, and. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of that in there just because that's just what's happening and that's what's been happening for a long time. Uh, so back to the wolves thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot about... It's a lot. That song is particularly a lot about that as well. And it's a very dark and ominous song and like 
there's kind of yeah it's it's a dark one but it it's like i almost wrote it in, in sort of like a dream scape thing oh, no i won't go down that road because that's that's too complex and i'm just rambling but uh and it's too nuanced in my brain how i wrote it that that it just wouldn't make sense what is it that you don't want to explore there no, I'm fine to explore it. I'm just going to be bumbling on about nothing. <laughs> you just have to listen to it and then yeah. you, you understand. And, uh, yeah, but that leads on to the last song, the Kraken song, which is more of a, uh, the balance of, the balance of, well, it's more of a song of hope. It's more like the Kraken is coming back to eat, eat, eat everything. That's hopeful. And eat all the humans. Or reset the reset. Yeah, the, it's more about a, a balance song. It's like a Thanos number. It's, it's like yeah, it's like starting <laughs> at starting a Thanos number.
Well, mate, I think it's a blessing that there's a, a musketeer out there who can draw his sword up to the to the uh, the human experience and say, "Oi, you're in a way actually." Now I'm starting to see this. You're holding the mirror up to the human side, saying, "Look at your past," because it's like understand your history, otherwise you're doomed. Yeah, well, it. that's that's. I think that's one of the. I think that's basically. That's the whole musketeer thing. You just described it. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, what's it called? Bottle, bottle neck it. Put it in a. Put it in a. In a one minute pitch, because oh, that, that would. Did pretty that well would, though. <laughs> that would diminish your. Not your whole Okay. Um. Where 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 would you see yourself next in the next year or two or five? Where where do you want to go next? Um. Uh, well, I just want to be able to play. Live concerts again. But Anywhere in particular. No, I just like to. I would like to play in in clubs or in rooms. I actually had this vision of like instead of playing in all these dingy clubs and things, just playing like playing in like really beautiful spaces and doing like a tour like that instead of going to your classic venues. So it's not so much about the venue; it's more about the collective. About the ensemble, uh, the uh, what <laughs> performer and audience relationship, rather than oh, I'm here for I'm here for the size. Like you would prefer? Um, are you saying you? Well, would I would prefer... love to play to many many people, but like sure. that's not a thing that's realistic in my mind in the next year. So, but uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm just working. I'm actually going next week. I'm going into the studio. Actually. Two weeks ago, I actually recorded a new EP, really? which is an acoustic thing. Which whether I released it as an EP, I don't know, but it's part of a part of an album thing, I think. And Eric, my guitarist, and I will be starting working on that next week. Actually, that's fantastic. So we're gonna, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and make a whole album, and then I guess next year. Been starting to email people for support slots, so hopefully I can land some support slot somewhere. But uh, we'll see. I don't really have a booking agent or a manager or anything like this, so it's all just me cold emailing these fools out there putting on shows. Um, so I'd like to do that, and uh, yeah, put out some more music. And, and try not to worry about what size venues I'm playing. <laughs> but I really want to put a put a, like a nice big show here in Hamburg and and I don't know do something big and nice like band show or something like that. But I just haven't. Everybody's been so busy with putting together shows just out of Corona now, so it's just like it's hard to lay down something concrete at the moment. Well, I. Uh... All this, I can't, I can't put a um, time on how long I've wanted to ask you this, but we're coming to our quickfire round, and we have quickfire questions, which has been a recurring, recurring, recurring theme uh, what, of the podcast. What's, how does this work? You? Well, I hope it's been enough time that you've forgotten the questions, because I was interviewing someone else, and they said, haha, I've prepared for these questions. I have not prepared. I don't Good. know what you're going to ask. Good. But, but quickfire means I have to answer them. Just first thing that you think of. 
it, it's not a time. It's like, uh, just think of the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh. And say, okay. How much are they? How many questions? Is uh, it 10 or something? Nah, it's under that. It's like five or seven. Oh, easy. Yeah. Hit me. So, what was your relationship like with your mother? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Brutal. Okay, first question. Okay, here we go. What animal would you describe yourself as if you were one? Tasmanian devil. What? But you're Australian. <laughs> Is that not another country? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, why I'm is this podcast? Fucking, I'm a fucking idiot. Um, That's like if I said an Irish pixie and I'm from Scotland. Well, well, no, well, it's not the same. Okay, fine. Sorry. Because uh, Tasmania that's my, is that's my uh, another state of Australia. Perfect. Even though it's an island. Okay, I thought it was a like, brilliant. But, uh, and why? Why a Tasmanian devil? Uh, that seems to... Because they're cool. Okay, fine. Um, what is your biggest fear? The deep sea. Really? The deep underneath. Being at the bottom or at the top? Uh, either one would be shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could bring back someone from the past, uh, present or living, uh, famous or personal, who would it be? Bring somebody back. I wouldn't bring anybody back. No family members? Mm-hmm. No famous person? No. You're standing in the graveyard and they say you have this magic power for one minute and you're like, nah. Well, how, how, uh, you get to bring someone back and you're just like, hey. For, forever. Just someone you want to say hello to or... Maybe like, uh, I don't know, Augustus Caesar or Nero or something like that. Or Joan of Arc. Very good answer. No, I may, or, maybe, or, maybe, or maybe Leonard Cohen. Probably the just best Just thinking that famous. That's a really good answer. Okay. Um, but then... Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good answer. You okay. wash up on an island, and this island has one meal, any meal, I would say lasagna, any meal that grows there, and you have to have that one meal forever, what is it? Oh, Hugh, <laughs> what have you done? I've put you on an island with magic oh, trees. <laughs> God. God, oh, I'm thinking about this too much. And um, don't think about the repercussions of your health. <laughs> it's just... I'm going to say, um, I, well, I, I butter chicken yesterday, so I'm just going to say butter chicken. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite word? Um, my favorite word? Fuck me dead. That's my favorite word. It's a phrase, but <laughs> it's like three words. Okay, this is a new one. What is your least favorite word? Oh, it's German. And when they say na. Really? Yeah. You don't like that? No. <laughs> you just said it there. Yeah, see what I did? <laughs> okay. I don't like onomatopoeic words like, um, what's the word, what's the famous one? Moist. I hate <laughs> Moist is pretty gross. But, but that, that's, a, that's a word that starts in the nice. back of the mouth. Oh no, that's crisp. Crisp starts at the back and ends at the front. In your mouth. But moist. I hate that, that sound. <laughs> Should um, I be asking you these questions? <laughs> and what is your favorite joke if you have one? Why did uh Are you see this is uh, I have to say now <laughs> when we went the pony bar together, Joe would do these awful jokes on stage <laughs> to fill the time. What was the one about the no, moon? Uh, no 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 Oh the moon one was good. I 
Um, Alright, tell us I, that one and then oh, tell okay, us your favorite. Yeah, the, the moon one is... Uh, so I uh, heard about this great restaurant on the moon. The food was great, but it had no atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. That's so bad. I can actually remember hitting my forehead <laughs> on the face palm. Okay. Here's, a, here's, a Ricky, but here's a Ricky Gervais one. That, this that is, is your favorite good. joke? Well, it's a good one. Okay. Uh, why did little Susan fall off the swing? She had no arms. Is that it? That's, that's a Ricky Gervais <laughs> one. <laughs> um, okay, well then, where, where can people find you right now on the internet? Well, uh, not physically. Um, I'm not physically <laughs> on the internet. I have no videos up for anybody, sorry. Oh, I do, actually. Oh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... so uh, basically, w, if you go www.musketeermusic.com, uh, you'll find everything. So, musketeermusic.com. And is there a, a Instagram? Yeah, Facebook? so Instagram is Musketeer Music. Also, that's at Musketeer Music and uh, Facebook. I had to, Facebook's fucked because Facebook deleted all my um, all my. Uh, well, they deleted my page and they gave my page back, and then there's no more fans. So I'm rebuilding that again. It's Musketeer Music also, and uh, Twitter. I think Twitter is also Musketeer Music and YouTube. Um, well, Musketeer Music TV. Oh, I like that one. Okay. And uh, I think that's all. Well, Joe, thank you so very much for coming on. It's this a pleasure, Hugh. Episode. Uh, it's a pleasure, Hugh. <laughs> honestly, I've been I've been dreaming of this one for a long time. This has been, been such a such a blast. Grand. So, it's been a bee's knees. Hugh Grand. So thank you so much for coming, no, no, and no. Um, I wish you all the very best with your EP and Thanks, your next bro. EP as well. Thank you for having me. Did you feel la power? I mean, that guy is just something else, isn't he? He's he's so well, so well read, and he's so intelligent and intellectual in it. You know, every time I see that guy, he's he's done in some some musky uh, <laughs> musky fashion line, because the guy is just. Uh, you know, I could go on for days about him. Uh, he's just an amazing, amazing human being. I'm really glad. I actually met him um, when he was busking. He was on the street and me and Jules were walking by and uh, bumped into him. And I said, I'm so sorry. Are you are you Australian? And he was like, yeah, mate, uh, I'm from Australia. And uh, I'm just, uh, you know, living here. Uh, he had an incredibly strong Australian accent. I could hardly recognize the guy. I was actually hesitant to talk to him. But, um, you know, you can always spot Joe when he's singing. He's got his lovely long black locks and his guitar and his beautiful voice. And he's often down at Elbe Philharmonie, if you guys want to check him out. Uh, he's in and around the area there at the harbor. And uh, hopefully if coronavirus fucks off, then we can get back to Pony Bar. And um, you'll catch him there as well. So... Thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Uh, I hope you had as much fun as I did. You can probably tell I had an absolute blast. So, um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye.